0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talk Talks. This is Andrew Kistner. I'm your host uh, for the Oxford Center Talks podcast. And we, uh, me and Ashley, uh, stayed here and we continued talking and we got into all the meat of estate planning, all the ins and outs. um, And I hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you for coming on. Uh, If you did not watch last week's episode, you'll get the entire personal story of Ashley and, and her family and kind of what brought her, you know, this far into this uh, scenario and what she does? Uh, it will be very valuable for you to kind of get to know her a little bit, uh, especially if you're interested in maybe sitting down with her. So feel free to go back and watch last week's episode if you haven't already. But we'll get right into it. Thank you uh, for staying here and uh, talking with me. Let's talk about estate planning. Okay. So tell me. Um, where do you start? Tell me some of the important things about mm. special estate planning from a special needs standpoint, because mm-hmm. it's, it's not your traditional estate plan. You have to, you have a lot more questions. You have to think about a lot more things. Uh, so talk to me a little bit about estate planning for a special needs family perspective.
1: Mm-hmm. So um, one of the things that I wasn't sure about when I started estate planning, like we were just saying is, of like will this be boring will this like just sort of be like creating the same documents over and over fill in
0: the blanks yeah Yeah. like
1: is it all going to be no it's like the opposite of boring (laughs) um because every family is different right every family has different needs a different constellation of concerns of financial you know uh issues or financial resources um and when i work even when, when with families who have neurotypical children and healthy children, yeah. it's still a big heavy lift to right. do an estate plan to, right. you know it's you've got to take time out of your day, out of right. caregiving, out of working, to think about these bigger picture things. And the payoff is so great right The payoff is so great. It's not you know the payoff is in some of the ways is obvious, right Like we are if something happens to us, these right. things are going to be taken care of. So there's a plan. That's the like sort of really you know concrete payoff. But there's also this payoff of just taking time to zoom out, think about your life, think about what's really important, right. what you want to leave behind, how you know, and um, and that gives people an opportunity just to sort of recalibrate in our own heads and our own hearts. Right what's important about life, yeah. about our lives, right? It's an opportunity to contemplate our mortality. There's so many amazing and beautiful gifts in estate planning. So for families with special needs, it's a lot harder yeah. because they've got even more demands on their time yep, and they have even more questions to answer right. that are really hard. yep. So I want to acknowledge that.
0: I mean, even from like when we think about, you know, Who's going to take care of Gracie if something happens for us? It, it, you know, if we had a neurotypical kid, it's like, oh well, we like John and Susie; they're a great family. Let's uh, let's talk to them. It's de- we can't just do that. We can't just pick mm-hmm. some of our friends or our family to say, hey, would you be willing to you know take over in case something happened to us? Because they have to be set up for it. They have to be the right people. Um, it, there's a lot more thought that goes in to something is what other people may think is simple. It's not. Mm-hmm. But um, there's mm-hmm. a lot more thought that goes into that.
1: Absolutely and you know when it comes to trust and i don't want to jump too much into jargon without laying the groundwork for folks but it's there's a lot more that goes into who would be guardian yep how caregiving would happen and then it's you know when we're we're talking about neurotypical kids we're we're generally planning for this kid is going to take over their own inheritance at one point right right they're going to they're going to be on their own yeah Sink or swim. Yep. <laughs> and we are planning for a lifetime yep. for, 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 for kids with special needs. So often planning for a lifetime. Um, so it is much more complica- complicated. Yep. So yes. um, let, I can talk a little bit about yep. special needs trust, but I think it, before I jump into that, it kind of just like a, a real quick 101. Love it. Yeah. So when we do estate planning, we plan for what happens when I'm incapacitated, and what happens after I die? Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm planning during for for lifetime incapacity the potential for that, and I'm also planning for after death. Okay. Um, so the incapacity documents are the doc is your um, patient advocate document. Okay. That's the document that where you would designate who is going to make medical decisions. Got it. For me. Um, parents, so, so I would designate typically for, we're married, we're typically designating a spouse in the absence of a designation, it would probably, it would typically be the spouse, right? Right. Um, but then you sort of have like a number two, yeah, number three, to. right? That's, that's the best practice. Um, and then parents are going to be making medical decisions for their own kids, right? But if parent is not available, then we want to make sure that we designate someone who is. Right. able to make those decisions for our child, especially if we have a kid who has, um, who special, has needs. special needs, right? So you have, need somebody with specialized knowledge. Right. Um, and so that's one of the documents. Uh, there's an um, advanced medical directive that we talk through as well. Uh, and then we do um, financial power of attorney. Right, so that's like who's gonna take care of like all my bills and my financial situation if something happens to me during life. So that's power of attorney. Um, And then we have our documents that are for after death, like the will. Our will is actually just a letter to a judge. Um, If we die without a will, the judge pulls those pieces that would be in the will from the state statute Right. They say, okay, so you died without a will, who's your next of kin? Right. They have to determine that. They have to determine where all your stuff is and what you have. And typically they'll have like a personal representative that's appointed to pull all that information together and show it to the judge, right? Man,
0: that's gotta be just grueling to find out where everything is and who gets it. It's not ideal. No. And then the state gets to decide. Who gets what? Well, it's based
1: on it's. You know, we can look up the the intestacy statute and see, like, if you die and you leave children and a spouse, what happens if you leave? Right. So there's every possible scenario sort of um, uh, accounted for in the statute, and then it would be up to a judge to say, okay, here's all the stuff that's titled in Andrew's name, right. And these are all the people and that are supposed to get it. So I'm going to just title these things. Into those people's names. Right. Right. Um, And I'll talk about why that's a big problem for special needs in just a few minutes. But essentially, you know, even for neurotypical children, if they inherit like that, um, they are an adult when they turn 18. So all that money, whatever's left, is gonna go right into their bank account when they turn 18. Right. And no, no strain, no. Like, I don't know no about seat belts.
0: You, but I was not responsible at, at 18 <laughs> I was really to inherit not. anything good from God. anybody. So that might not be the best idea.
1: Yeah, uh, most parents are like, no. Uh, no, that's not a good idea at all. <laughs> like, so do you want to do a trust? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, so if you if your child inherits by will, they're going by will too, right. or intestacy, just right. uh, by probate, they're going to get their money at 18. Um, and then you know there's a tr- trust, right? right? So a trust is really like this pri- a private relationship mm-hmm. between three different roles. Okay. Okay. Um, the trust maker. Okay. The person who makes it. Got it. The trustee. Okay. the Person who manages it. And the beneficiary, the person who receives the benefit from it. Got right. It. So I like to think about a trust as a box. Okay. I, I, the trust maker, build the box. Those are all the rules about how you get into it, how you can take something out of it, right? Right. I build the box. I put the money in the box. The trustee manages that box and based on the rules. Right. Right? Right. Based on the trust agreement. And those rules
0: can be whatever you necessarily wanted them yes. to be. Yes. From the maker of the box.
1: Yes. Okay. And then the beneficiary is the one who gets the money, right? right. Um, so there are lots of different types of trusts. Right. If you can just imagine, like that's the, that's the fundamental basic relationship, and now there's many different types of trusts that are created for different reasons, okay. right? So some trusts are created, people think about them as like, oh, you're really, really rich and you're trying to um, minimize taxes, yeah. right? So some trusts are created for that purpose. For sure. Some trusts are created to simply say, I want some more financial management for my kid until they're, you know, older than 18. I want like a financial parent to be managing this money right. until and unless, you know, they yeah. can receive it and be responsible. Right. So that's that's or like
0: 35 or something. That's probably when I was about there.
1: <laughs> I'm just about there. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, definitely 30s. You <laughs> know, people are like, "Well, what age?" Sometimes they're like, "You know, I think 25 is good." I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you they got a car now. I don't know, but um, but we have lots of different really creative ways that right. we can pass money along if, if a child tragically loses one right. or both parents. And people
0: don't—they uh, also understand that when you have a life insurance component to this, it just because you—I well, don't have any money—you <laughs> might. Yeah, you might not have any now, but if, if you have life insurance and you pass away, that money has some. There has to be a plan for that money. Right. So um, a lot of people, right. I think, kind of put off estate planning because they're like, well, I don't got any assets. I don't have anything to give it to anybody. So it doesn't matter. Would well, do you have life insurance? Oh, yeah. Well, you do.
1: Yeah. That's why you have life insurance <laughs> right. in case you die. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and this is how you can make sure that your family is that money is best used in right. their best interest. Right. right. Um, and another thing just on that topic not to be too morbid, but I tell people my job as an estate planner is to think of all the things that can go wrong. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so this is what I do. Um, but one of the things that if we as young and healthy people, if we were to die tomorrow, um, it could be that somebody did something very wrong to yeah. cause our death. Interesting. And then there, w- there could be a large settlement that is coming to our estate. Right. Like from a car accident, for example, yeah. or some other type of tragedy sure Um, and that is also money that would be in the estate that could be managed by a trustee if it was set up the right way right so for the benefit of kids right Um, so that's just another thing to think about often we don't have a lot of money but we're but we maybe could in death (laughs) yes Um, so that's sort of like the basic kind of Laying the groundwork, and then talking about different kinds of trusts. So, when we talk about trusts for special needs kids, um, there are two types, two main types, three kind of, two and a half. Okay. Uh, and I'll talk about them. I'm going to kind of focus on the third party, but I'll just like explain what they all okay. are. So, if we think about a a, a kid who when they Turn 18 is going to likely be eligible for um, supplemental security income, mm-hmm. right? SSI um, and Medicaid. Those are government benefits that are based on you have to have the, the medical test, you have to be disabled, but yep. you also have to have the, you have the means test, right? right? So this is a person who may, let's say this is a person who may not, we don't know if they're gonna be gainfully employed in their lifetime, right? um and so it's going to be really important for them to be be able to qualify for medicaid especially right. because we know that yep. health health insurance is really expensive and yep. you know so we want them to have their medical needs met and then also ssi pays right now if you're at fully benefit um, with ssi it's almost a thousand dollars a month mm-hmm. right um and so the idea and then we also have like section 8 housing or other type of housing um you know housing assistance so if we think about those as basic needs mm-hmm. right basic needs being met right and then of course we live in this economy of inflation and we know that that's not enough money to meet all your needs
0: right no. right
1: so the idea of a special needs trust is to say what are the supplemental needs okay um that this person is going to have right so we don't we want them to get the government benefits that they're entitled to right um, to to cover basic needs, but we also need them to have extra assets or est- extra income, extra types of access to extra money to cover those supplemental needs that are not covered. Right. Right. Um, so that's the idea of the special needs trust. And there's first party special needs trust. So when we talk about first party, third party, sometimes people get confused, like what is the difference? What do those things right. mean? Um, It really we're sort of the big distinction is where does the money come from whose money is it got it so if it's my money it's a first-party trust got it Um, because let's say tomorrow god forbid I become disabled in an accident and I can't work anymore right now I have money that's titled in my name I'm not gonna qualify for Medicaid and SSI right but I can put this money into a special needs trust, a first party special needs trust. And the, um, the federal law says that now the social security administration can't take that into account.
0: Interesting, okay.
1: Right? So some t- this, these are trusts that are often set up for folks who have money in their own name. Right. So probably not your daughter, right? right? Because right. she doesn't have that money in her own name. Right. The ways that she could get money in her own name would be maybe she gets an inheritance. Maybe right. a grandparent dies and just leaves money to her in right. her name. Right. Now we have to set up a first party trust. Got it. Right. Um, or she's, or you know, a lot of kids are in accidents, right. right? They're in an accident, they get a TBI, now they have a settlement. Right. It's in their name. Yeah. So that's where a first party trust would be used. Okay. Right. Got it. Um, and so a third party trust is the kind of trust that I think most people who have children with special needs would be contemplating.
0: Okay. Um,
1: it's set up by the third party, right? It's not set up, it's not the child's money, it's the parents' money. Got it. The grandparents' money, the right. friends' money, the crowdfunding money. Right. It can be money from anywhere. Okay. But it's not, so that is the third party trust, right?
0: Okay.
1: The third party trust. Um, and then there is something called a pooled trust. Okay. Um, a pooled trust can have money from third parties. It can have money from, it can be first party sometimes. Um, and there are, I don't know if you've heard about these pooled trusts. There's pooled no. trusts. Oh, there's, there's lots of pooled trusts in the state of Michigan. Okay. And the one thing that's really nice about those is like, if you can imagine, there's one big overarching trust document. Okay. And then there's a big fund, like a pension fund basically, where okay. people pay in, you have your own account with your own amount of money in it, but it's invested as a pool. Got it. And so you can t- withdraw your own money for, right. you know, you kind of join with a joiner agreement.
0: Got it. And okay.
1: then you can withdraw that money um, as needed and it can be, it can qualify as a, it, okay. it, their special needs trusts. Right. Um, one thing that's really nice about that is if a family has like less than $200,000, it's recommended that you wouldn't set up your own trust because administration fees can end up right. just being prohibitive. Right. Um, so this is sort of a place where those administration fees are lower. Sometimes a third party trust that's set up, if it starts to like diminish so much that it's suddenly not, um, doesn't make sense to have right. it be a separate trust, they can pour it into a pooled trust, for example, if your trust agreement says that. So there's, there's, it's just a great tool. Yeah. And something that people
0: should know never about. ever heard of it. Yes. Absolutely.
1: Important to know. So, um, talking about third party trusts, um, some distinctions between the two of them. I'm going to pull up my notes cause I want to make sure I'm yeah. So when we have a first party trust, it's my money, right? Okay. Yep. So, um, it can be set up by me. It can be set up by my parent. It can be set up by a court if I'm really injured. Okay. When I die, uh, whatever's left in that trust is going to go to pay back Medicaid. Interesting. Yes. It's going to pay back Medicaid for that benefits that I received.
0: Okay. Huh. Um, so even though it was in a trust and they can't look at it or consider it to get Medicaid, they can take from it to pay back Medicaid. Yes. When I die, huh? Yes. Interesting. So well, when you, the beneficiary, yes, okay,
1: when I, the so beneficiary, that, die. So
0: that basically, if if you, that money were to be left to, let's just say, a brother or sister, you know, um, Medicaid would come out first, and the brother or sister would get the the remaining funds. If that were what the trust said.
1: Yeah. Usually, yeah. I, that's theoretically possible, I guess. But I think they would take. It would generally, it would be. It, the the amount of Medicaid that was paid out during my lifetime would generally vastly exceed. Okay, and the what if you were short? Trust. Oh, then that That's is... It. So they just yeah. take whatever's left. They just take whatever's it's left. It's like an
0: annuity. So yeah. that when you die, <laughs> you pay a lot of money. I think and most you get people monthly, are going to be short. Yeah, you get yeah. monthly money, yeah. and then if you if you die before they think you will, ah, no, sorry, you bought an annuity. We get it all. <laughs> yep.
1: And then the other thing that we think about with a third party trust is. Since there's no Medicaid payback, if there are assets in the trust when the beneficiary dies, then those assets can actually go to like a sibling or they Got can it. go to whoever the grantor, whoever the trustmaker right. Survivor, designates, yeah. okay. right? So they can actually go go on. Um, for that pooled trust that I was talking about, uh-huh. typically the joinder agreement will say that once that beneficiary dies, the the money that's if there's any money in their account okay. left will go to other disabled people who are that's in the pool that's or
0: interesting that's interesting or the
1: charity that's running the pool yeah right yeah so
0: that's very interesting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's pretty that's pretty cool I didn't know that I'd never even heard of a pooled trust and it makes a lot of sense when you think about you can from the administrative costs uh, and I don't totally. think a lot of people think about that totally. Um, And that's kind of neat. I'd Mm -hmm. never heard of that. Mm -hmm. So um, let me transition just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what does meeting with you look like? Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I know I talked about this with Justin a few weeks ago um, about special needs parents. It's tough. Mm -hmm. It's very tough for us to go have meetings. Um, Yeah, we can go to the park. That's great. Gracie loves the park. Uh, But she does not like sitting in an office uh, (laughs) while we talk to any kind of professional. She has no interest in that. So are, do you switch the way that you do things? Um, so kind of go through your standard practice with meeting with people, and then do you change that a little bit for, for parents mm-hmm. with special needs? Because yeah. that's important to
1: us. Yeah. So my standard mm-hmm. would be um, usually people set up a 15-minute call with me first okay. where we can just kind of like get to know you, answer some you know, high-level questions you might have, Tell you about my process, okay, and what to expect, yep. and then set up what would I call a planning meeting, okay. Um, and so, to pro- usually our planning meeting is set up about um, about one month in advance, okay. So, and then during the, that one month. Families of homework,
0: right? Unfortunately, you gotta get a lot of stuff together. You
1: gotta, yeah. you gotta sort of organize your thoughts. So okay. I send, I send, I call it a workbook. It's an online okay. questionnaire. Okay. A lot of yes no questions. A lot of things like you know, all your family members' names and addresses right. and that sort of thing, and then an inventory of your assets. Okay. I'm not a financial man a planner. Right. I don't do the finances but I have to I have to understand what assets you have so that I know how to plan for them right. right
0: makes sense. So
1: people have to kind of get their financial inventory in order all really important work for like you said it could yeah. be a nightmare if you pass away without organizing things right. then your family's trying to figure it out like where is your money and right. uh, you know so you sort of it's it's a gift to have that all sorted out absolutely. Um, and then for families with special needs there's even more questions that I want them to start thinking through. Right. And, and sometimes it's like, it can feel like too much, right? So yeah. we can sort of take things in chunks. So typically with um, families who are not affected by special needs, um, they'll come and meet with me for two hours. Okay. And people are always like, what? Two hours. <laughs> two hours. Is, There's a lot it to flies cover, by. I bet. It just flies by. Right. Um, and so they have sent me their questionnaire. I've reviewed it. And now I have a lot of sort of education to do to teach them about what their options are, the right. pros and cons of each each, right Each family has like different orientation. Some families have a bad experience with estate planning from like someone in their family tree. right And so they have certain concerns that other families don't right. So we, we talk about those concerns and we talk about how we can plan for them. Um, and we design typically we design the whole plan in that two hour meeting right so after that meeting um i would i spend some time summarizing the entire plan got it uh and i send that summary to the families i ask them sometimes there are some hanging questions for sure um so i ask families to respond to my questions um confirm that the other pieces are correct and reflect their wishes okay and then once we sort of have everything hammered out and we are all in agreement about this plan summary that's when I start drafting the documents. Right, right. Um, so that that second process takes about a month as well. The signing meeting is um, one hour usually, where we sit down and I we go through every document, okay. we sign every document. So and then people will get a binder with um, with their plan as well as like a um, USB with the whole oh, plan cool. on PDF. Right. Uh, and if they have financial planner, then we interface with the financial planner. Sometimes we have deeds that we need to file and things right. like that. Now so when that's sort of the process. Where's the best
0: place? I just thought of this. Where's <laughs> yep. the best? Now you have a copy of this. Yes. So if I have, something I were, have a
1: digital copy. A digital
0: copy. So yeah. if something were to happen, yes. like, cause I've heard of people like, oh, we don't know if they had a will. So we have yeah. to, so we have to crack open these safes so we yeah. have to look under <laughs> all the beds and the mattresses yeah, and all yeah. that stuff. And yeah. uh, so like we can just put it out there that you're our estate planner and they can just call you and be like, hey, they passed away, we need yeah. all the info. Is that, am I correct in my assumption?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, no? <laughs> I, it's not always possible, okay. but I really, really, really like to have a super open um, policy about estate planning okay. with, I want my clients to be able to have that with their family got it so what, what i ask people to do is i ask them to send the pdf interesting of the documents that their family members are named in got so it. if you're named as my power of attorney right. you've got a co- copy of my power of attorney and sense. it is in your email
0: i mean if if we're talking like a medical power of attorney and something happens to you and i'm your medical power of attorney but i don't have a copy of that and you're incapacitated what do we do right so okay, that people, makes sense. I'll people like
1: should have copies of these documents. And because we're all digital and we've got our phones and we've got right. it, it, it makes sense to have it in the cloud in email, right? because we can retrieve that from anywhere. Yeah. Um, and so I tell people to do that. I tell people to send for their prospective trustees, their successor trustees should have a copy of their trust.
0: Makes sense. <laughs>
1: they really should. Um, and also in that cover email say, hey, and the, the, the uh, you know, the paper copy is located here in my house, right? So the only document that we actually want to have an original for, it's great to have originals of all of these, sure. but the only document that really requires an original is your will. Got it. Because that's the, that's the document that no matter what, even if you have a trust, it's still gonna be probated and the judge wants to see an original. Interesting. So, you know, people have different ways to deal with that. I, w- you can put the original in a firebox. You can put it in a safety deposit box. Those are probably the two best places okay. to have your original will. And then of course we always have copies. We always Got have it. digital copies and, and physical copies.
0: So it's um, not like if, if you had it I mean, like safes are only really good for someone along our fire, but if it did get destroyed and you died and all that's left is the digital copy, are we in trouble? Um
1: there are ways to go to court okay. and yeah, try to try to get that will probated. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not ideal. They
0: really want that original. That's important. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well,
1: because you don't know if there was a later original. Change, yeah. Yeah. Right. Change, yeah. Um, so, uh, and then the other question you asked. Actually, I'm glad you asked this because I don't I don't talk about it up front. I always surprise my clients with this at the end, and I'm like, why am I doing this? But it just happened to be like uh-huh. this is the this is the process that's fallen. So typically, right at the signing meeting, we have this um, document that we. Ask clients to sign. We we pay for it as um, a firm, so we cover the cost of f- a five year subscription to um, a service called DocuBank. Okay. And it's really cool. They just give you this little wallet card. Okay. The wallet card has emerg- your name, emergency contacts, okay. and it has just there's a room for a little bit of text. So sometimes if there's like um, a medical condition or allergies or something like that, you can put that on there. Sometimes we tip. We often for our families with kids, we say, I have minor children at home. Or you could say, oh, I God. have a child with special needs. So that's written right on the document. And then there's a, um, right on the card. And then there's a, um, like a username and pin okay. that a first responder can use to access emergency documents for your kids. So we, we create emergency documents for every minor that's child. That's neat. Um, so those are emergency power of attorney for physical custody. So your kid is not gonna end up, you know, right. becoming even a temporary ward of the state going to emergency right. foster care. So we
0: figure things out. Like it's We a,
1: figure out who, right who's away. your guardian, where are they? Right. You know, you, you're yeah. in a car accident in, in North Carolina yeah. and you're right. far from home. and yeah. So we have um, information about who should be contacted for the kids. Um, we have a, a medical power of attorney for the minor children. Oh, okay. which is a temporary one so if they're injured or they need to go to a doctor's appointment they get sick um, right there there's someone designated as a person who can be their power of attorney or Got their it. patient advocate and then so all those documents including your medical power of attorney right. your documents are all going to be located on that on that card
0: interesting so That's very they're cool.
1: accessible by um, yeah by first responders and I mean, I just, these are the kinds of things that keep me up at night personally. Um, So I know a lot of estate planners don't do this and it sounds kind of crazy, but I really am thinking like, how will my clients physically access these great documents we're drafting for them in the emergency, in the moment they're needed?
0: Let's try to figure out the worst, worst case scenario (laughs) possible and plan for it. I love it. I absolutely love it.
1: We we imagine the worst, and we plan for the absolute worst, and then we hope for the best.
0: Awesome. Well, hey, so. I really <laughs> enjoyed getting to know you a little bit today and talking to you, especially about. There's this is very in depth. Like this is not It's
1: extremely in depth.
0: Um, th- this like this is <laughs> much, This needs a lot more time than I what we gave that. it. Uh, but you are here for for people that that need your help. So how can people? get a hold of you and reach sure. you in our community. So
1: one, one other thing I wanted to just jump yes, back sure. and answer the question about how we can adapt for families with special needs. Okay. So we, I mean, honestly we have to adapt for all different kinds of families that we have. We sent, we have families where, you know, both parents are surgeons and they have crazy right. schedules. And so we have done meetings at night, you know, right. we've had, we've done a signing after hours if we need to, like okay. we can adapt, we, we have some families who have three or four one-hour meetings. Right. Because that's just easier to separate things in chunks.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so, I mean, my goal is that you get a plan that is customized, that works for you. Right. And if it takes us a few months, it's okay, let's get the right plan in place. Um, so, so we can be flexible okay. with that sort of thing. Yeah. Awesome, I love it. And how can people find me? Um, my You're in Ann
0: Arbor. I'm in Ann Arbor. Okay. My
1: practice is called Tree Town Law.
0: Tree Town it's Law. Pretty
1: easy to remember. Okay. Ann Arbor is known as Tree Town. I don't know if you know that. I had no idea. Yeah, there's like, in Ann Arbor, there's like a lot of Tree Town things. Um, I,
0: I guess I've never noticed that. Yeah, I mean, I, and there's I've been to Ann Arbor maybe a dozen times, <laughs> even though it's only 20 minutes away from here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I guess I've never realized it was called Tree Town. Okay, yeah, cool. and
1: if people are cool. familiar with Ann Arbor itself, I'm like right in Carrytown. Okay. Um, that's where my office is. At. Yeah. And um, but we we can meet by Zoom. The only thing we need to do in person is signing.
0: Okay, so that's awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. That, that makes things can do a, a lot
0: easier, right? Um, than, <laughs> than sometimes for, for people. So that's totally. Very good. Yeah. Right, well, we will put your. Uh, we're going to put Ashley's information in the description, so you can find her if you need her. Um, thank you very much for joining me on today's yeah, episode. I learned you. a ton. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and I have some estate planning on it and I didn't know half of this. So, uh, hopefully, uh, you parents found this valuable. Um, she can not only help special needs parents, but also people, you know, with, uh, different needs, um, out there. So thank you very much for joining us on this episode of talk talks, please like, and subscribe and share, um, our channel in this episode with, uh, someone you think might find it valuable and we will see you, uh, again next Thursday.